Welcome to the biggest thing to hit the financial advisory ESG community, environmental, social, and governance. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC Wealth Advisor. With over 25 years advisory experience, I've been advising clients so they can make a positive global impact. Hello, and welcome to the ESG Players Podcast with your host, Jonathan Kavaznik, one of the leading ESG advisors in the country. This week, Jonathan will be asking the question, what is your E? Well, hello, everyone. Welcome again to our second episode of ESG Players. I'm Jonathan Kavaznik, CHFC, and we're going to speak a little bit about the letter E and the ESG part of your equation. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about what does that really mean? E stands for environmental in the equation. So environmental can mean different things to different people. One of the biggest areas is reducing your fossil fuels and reducing your carbon footprint. Another area is using a lot of renewable energy sources in your business. And another area could be the idea of clean water and renewable water energy. So we're going to talk a little bit about those different areas and the aspects of the environmental world. So when we look at our investment portfolios, what we're finding is we want to find companies that are utilizing great efficiencies and uh, taking into account and setting goals to how they're going to reduce their uh, energy footprint, whether it be carbon energy or reduction of their water waste or a reduction of their pesticides and the way that they do business. So what we're finding in our research and when we're looking at our portfolios is that nearly half of the companies in the Fortune 500 have set targets to actually reduce their greenhouse energies. And when we say greenhouses, we use the acronym GHG, means greenhouse gases, and they're trying to improve those in regards to uh, reducing those and having a reduction in the way that they do business. So across the um, Fortune 500 companies, what we're looking at significantly is we're trying to decide which companies and which sectors are actually taking that to heart. So even though a company may set a goal, uh, how are you and I going to really know if they're doing that? And so a prime example would be, say, a company, maybe an example of uh, Amazon. And so you'd say, well, what does Amazon really have to do with reducing their energy uh, blueprint? And what does that have to do with uh, reducing their waste? And what are they doing then? And why is that so important? Well, if we think about a company the size of Amazon and how much production they do, well, we may just look at it as their delivery service or their distribution, but the reality is is they're using a lot of energy and they're using a lot of uh, uh, they're using a lot of energy and they're using a lot of water in their production. So let's think about what that does that mean. So uh, in 2017, Amazon w was trying to increase the renewable energy usage, and they had a goal of 100 percent. And right now, uh, in 2017, well, last year, they were at 50% of their energy use was through renewables. So Amazon has set a goal to actually uh, install solar energy to get to that level. So what does that mean? So when they have fulfillment centers and distribution centers uh, in their way that they're delivering with their delivery vehicles, they've determined that they want to install solar energy on 50% of their buildings by 2020. So if you think about them reducing their um, reliance on fossil fuels such as natural gas, such as oil, such as um, propane, things that come out of the ground, they've determined that if they can use renewable, which is generated by solar or wind or other renewable energies, that that would really reduce their impact on the environment. The other thing that a company such as theirs is trying to do is to increase their use on wind power. Amazon has the largest wind farm, which is expected to generate over a million megawatt hours of wind energy annually. So if you think about them being able to incorporate this whole idea of solar energy into their fulfillment centers and then also trying to use wind energy and to generate uh, megawatts that way, 
they can really reduce their footprint and how they are impacting our environment. And so you and I as an investor, when we think about that, we're trying to say is we want to find companies that take that to heart and are actually really doing that rather than just carte blanche say, as long as they make money, that's good enough for me. Well, what if they actually could be profitable and we could get the same rate of return as an investor, but we would know that they have a goal and they have a game plan and they're actually trying to reduce those things that are harmful to the environment. So that's exactly what the E part of the ESG is supposed to represent and really benefit for us. Another interesting company uh, that is trying to reduce their um, usage of water, and I never even thought about this until I really started to look into the environmental aspect of the ESG, is that Hanes, the people who make our undergarments, right? it takes 20,000 liters of water to produce a single T-shirt or a pair of jeans. And so if you think about it, water is not an un, uh, infinite resource, right? Water is limited. And so if you consider that 2.5% of the Earth's water is fresh, the rest, 97.5% is salt water. And just to make one T-shirt utilizes 20,000 liters of water. So when we think about a company in the E part of ESG and who we want to do business with, if they use a lot of water in their production of their product or they use a lot of water in the way that they generate their business, we sure would like to know that they have a goal of trying to reduce that and what are they going to do to reduce that? What are the options and what can they do so that we feel better about the fact that we're investing with them as a shareholder and that they're taking that to heart? So as a long-term investor, we want to look for those companies that have that in mind. So if you think about it, those companies might come up with the idea of setting a goal. Um, an example is Haynes set a goal that in 2020, they're going to reduce their energy use by 40% for carbon and 40 to 50% of water usage. And how are they going to do that? Well, they're going to incorporate recycling. They're going to look at how the water treatment plants are treating their water and whether or not they can reuse that. They're going to remove color used in textiles and dyeing processes. So Hanes is really taking that to heart. Now, there are other companies who manufacture clothing. And what we want to do then is find out, are others doing the same as Hanes? So we're not really endorsing or saying that Hanes is our ultimate investment. But there's a good example of somebody in the clothing manufacturing who realizes that they use a lot of natural resources and that they're taking and setting goals and trying to reduce that. So those are the kind of companies we want to now say, okay, can that fit into our portfolio? Is it a good investment? And are they taking action? Are they really doing what we want them to do in reducing the carbon footprint, the waste of renewable energies of water? And, uh, and what are they doing to uh, undo that and to actually set themselves apart? So let's talk about what happens when we reduce fossil fuels and carbon companies and uh, oil and gas and and, and water companies that are wasteful, what does that do to our portfolio mix? So I went and I looked, and, uh, and we do our research, and we're trying to figure out what impact does that have on our client's portfolio. And what we find out is that there's several ways we could look at it. We can say, well, what if I remove that from my portfolio, and I'm not going to have any fossil fuels, and I'm not going to have any companies that can't meet a certain criteria of recycling and reducing their water waste and trying to uh, help us with the clean water sources and not contaminating our water systems. So we have a choice. We can reinvest those portions that we normally would invest in those kinds of companies, and we can invest those in renewables. So we want to go and look at it. Well, what does that mean? So we could say that we're going to take the money we normally would invest in uh, fossil fuel companies, oil and gas, and Exxon and Phillips Petroleum and BP Mobile, right? All of these big oil companies. 
And then we could say, but we're going to counter that by saying we're going to take that portion, which is probably about 8.5% of the S&P 500, and we're going to incorporate that into renewable energies. So we're going to take that and we're going to invest in solar and wind and hydro, hydro plants and uh, biofuels, things that we know are renewable, and we're going to see what does that do to the mix. And there's statistics and data that I don't want to get too detailed in, but it shows that it's very minimal of anything at all that really hurts our performance if we did that. The other choice would be is just to spread it across the other sectors of the marketplace, right? So we think about it, energy is just one sector, and utilities and water are another sector, but we have financials and healthcare and informational technologies, consumer goods, right? So we can take the other sectors of the marketplace, and we can equally weight and redistribute the money we would have gone into fossil fuels and uh, energy stocks that are related to that and just distribute it across those as well. So we kind of think about that when we're working with a client or when you're thinking about how you want to invest your portfolio is what are the risks and what are you changing by eliminating companies that actually are poor for the environment. And so I think if we think about it that we're going to find that one is it reduces your risk from the idea that these companies are contaminating. They might have maybe uh, super funds or maybe they have oil spills or they have uh, things that are not so great from a risk standpoint. And that gives you an eye risk as a shareholder that maybe something's going to come out that no one had thought about and it's going to make the company implode or have very heavy expenses. So on the flip side, we could also say to ourselves, um, we want to look at the risk to our returns from the standpoint of if we remove it, are we giving up returns when those sectors are doing well? And so it seems like it would be a very clear uh, pattern that when oil and gas prices are high, of course, that would mean if we eliminated that from our portfolio because we wanted clean energy companies, that that would probably hurt us in the short run. But if we looked at the cycles and we think about the risks that we're taking by investing in oil and energy specifically, that they're going to have their ups and downs and there's going to be some short-term periods where they do well and some short-term periods where they do poor. And therefore, if we looked at it over the long run, I think we're going to find that we have a minimal impact by investing in quality companies that are doing either clean energy or we're in other sectors of the economy. So let's talk a little bit about how uh, you and I can think about what our E is for ESG and what the environmental piece means to us. So for myself personally, uh, four years ago, I became a beekeeper and decided uh, to learn about that. And it really opened up the whole environmental issue of what is going on out there and why is it important that we be careful about what we're using in our gardens and what we're using in our lawns and what large agriculture is using and what our companies using that they're putting into our rivers and streams. And so you can really see it when you look at it at a personal level, right? If you take your personal level and think about things around you and how they impact you and how important that would be to you. So I'd like to say is when we're looking at your investment portfolio, um, what is the E part and what does that mean to you? Take a personal look and say, is it really important to you that you have a weed-free lawn? Or is it really important to you to say, you know, if there's a few weeds in there and it would help the environment and help uh, people be more healthy, maybe I can forgo that. Or maybe you would take an extra step and say in my own personal uh, position on the E part of ESG, maybe I'm going to take a little extra step and I'm going to find out if there's a natural way to treat my trees and my bushes and my lawn. And I'm not going to use the harsh chemicals that I know might be a little more unfriendly to the environment. Or maybe I'm going to say, boy, when I went out and I bought that uh, car, what was the energy efficiency of my car? 
right? And who made that car? And what is the technology that they're using? And so as you're doing your daily life and you're thinking about the things that are important to you, we want to take that on a bigger level and say, not only are you doing things that are important to you on a daily level that are your E, but how about on an investment level and how your hard-earned money is working in harmony and complementing what you're doing at a more daily local level and what's important to you as far as your E? And what what is your investment portfolio um, holding in there that would complement or conflict with your E? And so that's really what's important. When we're talking with a client and when you're talking to your financial advisor and you're trying to figure out, is this ESG thing really important to me? And what does the E part mean to you? Then you can have that tailored and find out, yes, you know what? Renewable energy is important to me. Yes, keeping our rivers and streams is important to me. So really take it down to a level and then it'll really broaden your mind and open your eyes and your heart and you'll kind of see what's really important. And that's what I think this is all about. And so again, I would ask you, what is your E? So thank you everyone again for listening in on the ESG Players Podcast. We're really excited to continue to provide you with the latest and the best technology and the best information and the best ideas about what the ESG world has to offer you and your investment portfolios. We look forward to you tuning in to our next ESG Players Podcast when we're going to talk about what is the S and why is the S so important? S standing for socially responsible. ESG Players Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and many other platforms through the Backroom Studios. That's Backroom Studios, S-T-E-W-D-I-O-S. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, Jonathan B. Kovacnik, CHFC, registered representative, advisory services offered through Securities America Advisories, Inc., Cherokee Investment Services, Bank Cherokee, and Securities America are separate companies, not FDIC insured, no bank guarantees, may lose value, not insured by any government agency, not bank deposits.